Is mainstream school failing your kids? The pandemic, with all the changes to schooling and daily life, is a moment of opportunity to rethink the educational path that works best for you and for your kids. So the question is, how can we as parents find alternative solutions that aren't necessarily having to do it all ourselves or pay for programs that we can't afford? I'm Jerry Kirk. And I'm Graham Kirk. Join us as we talk with families thriving on their own path. We shared practical tips, wins, and challenges they've been through to help you on yours. We interview educational experts and parent entrepreneurs with education solutions for the modern age, so parents wanting a better alternative can make confident, informed choices. Welcome to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. You're ready for change. And so are we. Welcome back to the Modern Education Movement Podcast. Now, COVID frankly, has put enormous pressure on a lot of kids. One research study revealed that depression and anxiety in youth has actually doubled compared to pre-pandemic levels, which were already not that great. In fact, one in four adolescents globally right now are experiencing clinically elevated depression symptoms, while one in five youth are experiencing clinically elevated anxiety symptoms. So this isn't just having a bad day. This is an ongoing struggle. And really what we have is a global mental health crisis in youth. Now, my guest today, Dr. Karen Jabkowski, sees this firsthand. See, she's a a school principal and has worked in education for over 20 years. So she sees kids struggling in school. Some of them have behavioral issues and some just struggle to do school as we know it. Yet through years of practice, she's unlocked ways to help kids break through these barriers. Now, Dr. Jabakowski is a well-respected international influencer on helping kids live happier, healthier lives, navigating through their most challenging moments. And she now works directly with moms through her Momnificent program so that moms can build stronger and more meaningful relationships with their kids and be that support that their kids so desperately need. And ultimately, as a parent, help them sleep better at night, right? So today we're going to explore what you can do as a parent to help your kids be mentally and emotionally strong, no matter what life throws at them. Dr. Jabakelty, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for inviting me on. Awesome. Well, it's really a pleasure. And this is, you know, honestly, it's, it's not necessarily an easy topic to talk about. I think this one's really, you know, really important. And I'm kind of curious, like in your role as a, as a principal in schools, what what shifts have you been noticing um, over the past uh, year and a half or so? Yeah, so pre-COVID, for several years pre-COVID, I was looking at my educational diagnostician, my school counselor, my school psychologist, just saying, what is happening? Because we're seeing an increase of mental health needs. Like they were on the rise pre-COVID, we were concerned. And we are in an affluent area and we would look at our neighboring uh, schools in our district within the city called Title I schools. And they would have like a family crisis therapist or social worker, additional supports and a behavior interventionist. And we were not afforded those extra supports, but yet we had kids with anxiety, like a lot of kids dealing with that and episodic behaviors displayed and more and more each year I've been there. This is my 10th year at the school. Mm -hmm. And I was saying that pre COVID. And so uh, two, three years ago, my school counselor looked at me one day and said her daughter in a neighboring school to ours 
was taking a mindfulness class with a mindfulness coach. Hmm. And I was like, what is that? And what are they doing? And she was like, Karn, we have to have this mindfulness coach come, come to North Star. And I was like, okay, okay, what, whatever we got to do. So we ended up put, putting some of our building budget money, writing part of a grant to hire her. And we just piloted her program in our first grade. Well, the teachers in first grade were like, what is this? Why are we doing this? They were very skeptical. Uh-huh. As as people are when it comes to mindfulness, because well, we don't know and we we think like, what are you going to turn the lights out? We're all going to sit on the floor on the carpet, like, <laughs> right. and, and hum together, right? Right, right? I mean, no, you know, we just created our own picture in our mind because we hadn't, nobody had shown us what what that would look like. So we had a coach, Linda, come who had been trained through an organization you may have heard of it, Mindful Schools, mm-hmm. and she taught these kids to take breaths, taught them like what she calls a ball breath and a finger breath. So they would start out each lesson with a chime and sit quietly still with their eyes closed or looking down if that was comfortable for them. And then she would go into a little mini 15, 12 minute lesson and really going through the senses of, of seeing, what do you notice What your touch? What do you notice the sensations in your body? What do you hear? And then some of the lessons revolved around compassion and kindness. Let's think of a moment where something happens and you did something kind for someone. How did that make you feel? Sending kind thoughts to someone you love in this moment. You know, how, how would that make you feel? And the definition of mindfulness that she taught all of us was being aware of the present moment without any judgment. Mm. Uh, so that was the basis. I know there's a lot of different definitions out there. And that's the one she worked with us and our staff and our students with. Well, after this eight-week period of just in first grade, the teachers were coming to me saying they were actually using the practices in their own life personally and with their own kids at home, let alone what was happening in the classrooms. So we were like... What, what were wait, they finding? Like if so, if they were doing that, was it, so what they, was the response you were getting? She would, she would teach you to, in, in the moment when you might be upset or get frustrated at something, she taught them to put a pause in there mm-hmm. of a breath. And so now all of a sudden, like we were being aware to consciously pause or you were going to react or say something in that moment. Um, And then she taught kids when you get to a difficult place on a test, stop, take a breath before you go back to that question. So I had a first grade parent email me and say, I was at a swim meet with my daughter this weekend. The coach is loud and, you know, it's, it's noisy in there. And, and my daughter gets a little anxious. And all of a sudden she looked over and her daughter was doing this ball breath that we had taught them. And she's like, she totally rocked that swim meet. And it's thanks to Mindfulness Tuesday, she said. Like, thanks for what you're doing. Like, wow. kids started doing better endorsement, these, right? these resources, right? And I was like, get out. Like, I, I was just sitting here, like, just watching and just getting wow. it more and more amazed. Well, then I talked to my building leadership team and we decided to have the coach come the following school year for all the students. So she did an eight week lesson, eight weeks, 15 minutes, once a week, teaching all the kids these practices. Well, I had parents calling me saying like, my child looked at me and said, mom, are you feeling okay? Because you might need to take like a little breath. Like kids were telling, (laughs) noticing it and telling their parents. It's so true. Like, I mean, kids, kids are so much more open. Right. And just, just willing to, and, and not, and not, they don't have all these lingering thoughts of, well, what if this or what if that? They're just willing to, just to try it, to be open. Take it as know? is. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it was amazing. And then she, the, the mindfulness coach, did a survey of the second through fifth graders. 
And 40% of the kids said they that felt like they slept better at night because these lessons slept better. If I can get one kid to sleep better, I'll do anything you want me to do. Like this is amazing. They thought this should be taught to other kids. They said it helped them feel more calm in school. It helped them take tests better. And I was like, wait a second. All of a sudden I've been waiting for years for the state to give us supports. And yet this is a very organic, therapeutic, proactive intervention before they get to the problems that they have in middle school, mm-hmm. high school, what have you. And this was pre-COVID. I mean, I, I, the light bulb went on in my mind. And all of a sudden I was like, ah. and, and, and one of the teachers who was a little bit farther along in the mindfulness journey than me encouraged me to take one of the classes through the Mindful Schools program. So I took it and I offered it to my entire staff and I had about seven of them sign up and take it. And then another teacher and I took the next level where we could learn the lessons. And then I was starting to go into classes and teach the lessons. But then I was thinking the parents don't really know what we're doing. I mean, mindfulness, ooh, great, yeah. But like, do they really know what we're doing? Not really. Uh, so I had a uh, student in fifth grade who was had some behavior challenges throughout his years. And I found a way, which is another whole uh, process that I, I get into with parents, the collaborative problem solving process. Mm-hmm. But I would find a way through that to highlight a child's ability and skill to help them see themselves in a different light and not only see themselves as the bad kid that they really struggled with their behaviors. And so he uh, actually uh, started my YouTube channel for me and would videotape me doing lessons with the kids so that we could show the parents. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And then that was right when COVID hit and I was able to continue mindfulness lessons all through COVID weekly as like an announcement on a video on the YouTube channel videos and all summer long. And I had never done communications with parents through video or all summer long at all. And with this mindfulness, and now the kids to this day are like, I remember seeing you. When are you coming back to do a lesson? I want to do the mindfulness. Are we, oh, Dr. Jay's coming to the classroom. Are we going to do mindfulness? Like now they just know that and see it as that. Yeah. It's really become, really become a a part of their life. sounds like. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And how how is that? And what's been the overall impact like on the, on the school, you'd say, as this has sort of built momentum and been embraced? Well, you know, it's it's interesting that you say that because I hadn't really reflected on it. But but when you just asked that question, I can say we haven't heard of the level of anxiety in kids in the numbers like we were before we actually brought this mindfulness in. Mm-hmm. We we've got episodic kids and and kids kids struggling. I mean, during COVID right now, personally, I just feel like every child needs a school counselor one-on-one. <laughs> um, but it's really given them strategies to use. And because it was such an organic way of happening, it has st- lasted and, and it has, has stuck with them. Uh, so I can, I can now go on the morning announcements and ring a chime and take three deep breaths with everybody. And most of all the kids have, have an association with that. So it is a skill that we still practice. And especially with all the attention around self-care coming up now, um, it's important for me as the leader to model and demonstrate that self-care to my staff so they know it's okay and it's not, you know, someone's wasting time because I needed a few minutes. 
uh, because I'm actually in my office. My secretary walked on, walked in on me and I was sitting there doing the finger breath because I needed to take a minute. I had just gotten to the point of whether it was an email or someone said something that just like, you know, you, you just start noticing your body, you get tight in your shoulders, your, your heart starts racing. Um, but now we've got some tools to use in that moment that we also use with kids when they come up, come to the office upset because they're in trouble. Now I give them the choice. Do you want to do a ball breath or a finger breath? Mm-hmm. And then I give them a choice. Do you want to do five breaths or six breaths? And after that, now they're in calm and in control of their body. And we can go through my cloud of problem solving process of, to find out what really happened or how can we solve this problem? Yeah. No, what, what I really, I really like about what you're saying and what's resonating with me is I think it's also helping, you know, kids, and adults too recognize that within themselves they have the capability, right, to to shift to 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 deal with the challenges that come up, right? That they have that innate ability, which I think is a wonderful gift, especially at at, at a young age, you know, right? Before we have all that baggage, you know, that that, <laughs> that kind of gets piled up over the years, and then we have to yeah. get in a lot more therapy to try to undo exactly. all that. Someone had taught me this when I was that age. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm just curious for, for parents that are out there probably thinking, wow, yeah, I'd like to learn a bit more about this mindfulness stuff. Is there like, a, is your YouTube channel? Like, I guess it's YouTube, right? So it's available for anyone to, to kind of check out. Would that be a good place for them to maybe see some of the mindfulness stuff they could maybe try with their kids or what, what would you suggest? Yeah. Yeah. So I have two channels. The one that the fifth grader created is called mindfulness with Dr. J and you'll see more of the mindfulness practices there. And then in February, I started a podcast for parents called Momnificent, where it's a guest podcast. I have interviews with authors and doctors, kids, former heads of schools, teachers, and uh, um, it's more talking about the practice than some actual more live experiences. But on my website, educationalimpactacademy.com, when you click blog on the right-hand side, there's a free mindfulness video for kids and adolescents for you to see a sample of what that might look like and you could try it with your kid and see if they would actually follow along in the practice yeah Yeah. and do it with your kid (laughs) yeah yeah you said said, right the importance of of modeling which yeah if you don't know it you could watch it and practice doing it with it yeah i think one thing that i've learned as as a parent and just from the many guests i've had on the show is i think the best way to teach our kids is, is to model what we want for them you know it's much more stronger and powerful than than just through words so, so that's a, that's a great, um, that's a great opening in terms of, you know, how, how to help kids you know, adapt with their, their challenges. And you mentioned too, that, you know, you've also got some work that you've, some work, I should say, really like a process that over the years you've kind of refined and to help also, I guess, with the shift around the thoughts, right. That kids have perhaps being like the trouble kid or, you know, the, the negative impressions that they have that, you know, frankly are coming from the world around them, right? It's not something that they're telling themselves. It's more what's being thrown at them. I'd be curious to kind of dive into that world a little bit, how you help, first off, what you see is, you know, some of the impacts of that on kids, right? This this negative messaging and then how you help kids to to shift that thinking so that they can kind of move from a place of being, say, really stuck and they're not feeling like they can move forward to a place of possibility. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because when I tell people that I'm a school principal, I get responses like, oh, (laughs) you know, I, I wasn't good at school and I probably would have ended up in your office. Or it's interesting how many people can think of like the one thing a teacher said to them growing up that wasn't so great. It's like, 
why our minds, well, that's that negative bias that you were just, that we tend to remember the negative over the positives. And it's, I always flip it for those people who say those things, because I, I, I take a very non-traditional approach when it comes to discipline. It's a very positive approach that I learned about 12 years ago from Dr. Stuart Ablon. He has the number one psychiatry department in the U.S. and has a program called Think Kids, where it's a collaborative problem-solving process that works with empathy. So you use a very empathetic tone of voice when talking to kids. You, you don't talk down to them. You don't raise their voice. And I think that's even, I mean, I was doing this pre-COVID, but even now with additional stress and anxiety that everyone is facing, when, when we have to deal with a kid and their behavior, this process is so beautiful because it still keeps that relationship intact. Mm. And most times when a kid does something wrong, all of a sudden it's hard to rebuild that connection with them, right? Or the relationship feels broken by the way we sort of react and respond, maybe how we were raised or what we're our normal natural go-to is. And so when a kid gets in trouble, I use a very even tone voice. I call it the elevator tone of voice. And I'm like, I heard that, you know, you kick the kid on the playground and you ask them this question, what's up with that? And a lot of times they look at you because they're, they're not used to someone not yelling at them. They're not mm-hmm. used to someone wanting to hear from them. Uh, Cause sometimes we go into our natural, like, you know, better. I told you, how could you, why? Da, 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 da. Guilty. That's charged. <laughs> <laughs> right. And even when I was a kid, I lied. I cheated. I stole. I was a bad kid. I felt bad. So I actually kind of overcompensate and probably work harder at helping kids not feel worse for what they did. Because I believe, even if you're not showing me all the remorse that I feel like I want you to show me deep inside every kid when they do something wrong, they they feel that they know they did that wrong thing. And I don't believe it's my job to make you feel worse. So that's probably why I was attracted to this process because it really synced with my philosophy of helping kids um, in a positive way. And then you ask them, you know, you hear their concern because eventually they open up and know it's a safe enough environment to say what's really going on. You give them that em- empathy and validation, like, wow, that must, that sounds like it was really hard mm-hmm. or that was really tough. I'm not agreeing with it, but I'm validating them. And then you share your concern. Well, at North Star, you know, we really care about each other and it's North Star Bears. We use our words instead of kick, hit, whatever, you know, so whether it's a teaching moment, it's either a skill they need to be taught or a problem to be solved. And so that's what I work with the kids on. And that's what I'm helping parents learn to practice, to resolve the the situations with their kids when they come up. And if it's a problem to be solved, I'll I'll literally ask them, like, what do you think we could do to fix this problem? Shifting similar responsibility to them. Yes. Either to repair something that was broken between them and another student or kid or, or a family member. In the end, it's actually overall teaching them problem-solving skills, which is what we want them to learn anyway in life, right? right? That's like a skill they're going to need as an adult. And it's amazing how many times you ask a kid, like, what we can do to fix that problem. And, and they just stare at you because they're not used to thinking. Right. Of, yeah, that was my first thought was, what do you do? And, you know, I imagine the kid's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And this is so fun. I, I, they taught us this great question when a kid says, I don't know, because 99% of the time they say, I don't know, or they shrug their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Don't mm-hmm. know. And I say, if you did know, what would you say? Mm. It's such a funny question. And they just stare at you like you have two heads. But the biggest thing is to just wait it out mm. and stop talking. Cause as adults, we fill in all the gaps of the broken silence. Cause we're not comfortable with it. And you have to practice over time. It's okay. It's going to be that impregnable pause. But that quiet is helping that child 
really think and come up with you know, the solution for another thing to try. That's a great and, question. That's really powerful. I'm, I'm writing that down. They, <laughs> and they do. They, and then if they say, I don't know again, I'll say, I'll go back to the first question. You know, well, you know, you kicked Johnny on the playground. Like, what was up with that? And if you wait long enough and over time you, you, you practice to really give them that opportunity, sometimes kids would be like, well, my dad rushed me out of the house this morning. I didn't get to finish my breakfast. Like sometimes it's things related, not even to that incident, but yet how many times are we only dealing with the incident we saw in that moment? And here's, yeah. you know, all the emotion, we're all firing at each other. Yeah, we're, um, not, and so, we're not getting to yeah. that root. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I love about this process because there's a story behind every behavior. Mm-hmm. And this process gets you to that root then actually the kids are going to learn from this situation. Kids don't learn when they're freaked out in their fight or flight mode because you're you're yelling at them and they're yelling and they are mirrors of us. Mm. So mom, dad, parent, guardian, listening right now, the next time something happens, tell yourself, my child is going to actually mirror my tone of voice, my escalated reaction. So the biggest thing I teach parents first and foremost is you just need to either step away or keep the child in your peripheral and don't engage till you are calm and in control of your own self. Like you've got to get your fight or flight mode down to a calm state. I do this because that's what it shows like a visual of what your brain is doing. And you need to take a deep breaths and you're not even going to talk to your child. I do this with kids at school. I don't talk to them when they're upset. I wait till they are calm and in control of the body. And I'll tell them, looks like you need some time to get calm and in control of your body. And sometimes I'll set a timer and just kind of have it show to them. And I'll keep them in my peripheral because everyone feels weird when you're staring at them. And so I just sort of look off to the side, give them that time. However long it takes, you can't make a kid calm down faster than a kid is going to calm down. Right, right. <laughs> and, 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 and sometimes I would let them go to lunch or do something before mm-hmm. we would talk about an incident. And sometimes that's hard for us to realize too, because we feel like we have to deal with right then and there. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's, that's another really good nugget um, for, for parents out there and myself included, right? Is what really what I'm hearing at the end of the day is it's really about relationship. It's about really connection you know? or correction. Yeah. It's a huge yeah. phrase. Yeah. My, my former school psychologist said to me one day and it has stuck ever since. And it's really the core of this entire work. Yeah. So making sure you're, you're, you're in the right mind, you're in the right place, that, that the child or the student is also in the right place where then we can, we can engage in a, mutually respectful way and, and, and really, you know, get beyond the symptoms of what's just happened and, and try to delve in a little deeper and do some creative problem solving, which, yeah, it's just not possible if you're not, if there's not a safe place when you're not in focusing on, on relationships. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. And over time, if your child sees you react and respond this way, slowly over time, they will feel more safe to be open about what's really going on. Yeah. But we get frustrated when the kid won't tell us why they did what they did or why, why did you do that? Like if, if anyone's talking to us in that tone of voice, we, we won't even, we couldn't even tell you our first name. Like no one in their natural mind can think clearly and logically when you are, I call it the freaked out in the freaked out state. And I, I know I said a whole lot in there, but I'm going to go back to that, that mirroring. Like if you, if you then are calm with your voice using that elevator tone of voice, they will eventually start matching your tone of voice. And if, and if we keep it elevated and full of that emotion, 
they elevate and then we're both vying yeah. for that you know back and forth and it's yeah, always butting, regret, butting heads defensive yeah. posture yeah now, now it's not yeah now it's competition rather than collaboration yeah yeah what would you say are some of the um, some of the really important things for parents to think about when it comes to kind of like the keys to building meaningful relationships with their with their kids because as we're discovering just in our conversation here that's if we really want to help our kids to you know be more successful and to thrive it, it really starts with having that meaningful relationship so you can you can have that safe space to to support them what would you what else would you say is really important for parents to think about um i'm gonna throw out a name of a book and an author that we did a book study with her name is michelle sure. borba uh-huh. So Dr. Michelle Borba, uh, she's written 25, 25 or 27 books. And about three years ago, she wrote a book called Unselfie, How to Get Your Kids to Live with Empathy in an All About Me World. And I was like, well, who isn't that these days, right? So I bought it for my entire staff. We did it uh-huh. um, as a book study and I kept extra copies on hand. So when I was having parent conferences with parents and they would say something, I'd be like, here, take this book. If there's one thing in it that helps you, it was it's such an easy read and it was so helpful. Well, when I started my podcast and I was thinking of like, what guests I would like to have on, like who would be my dream guest? She uh-huh. was like my dream guest. And she ended up saying, yes, I almost fell out of my awesome. chair the day she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> it like totally made my entire year. Um, and, nice. and interestingly enough, when I connected with her, she was publishing another book called Thrivers. So just yeah. this last March, she published Thrivers, where she um, had taken a research study of 40 years of kids um, in Hawaii, who and they just followed them for 40 years. Some experienced trauma, some of them had a normal life coming growing up with not, you know, too too much external drama, traumatic experiences. But in the end, they tracked what made some of those kids thrive and others didn't thrive, Hmm. but coming from the same traumatic or not traumatic experiences in life. And so she gleaned seven teachable skills and she comes on my podcast and she starts talking about them. And there are things that we can teach kids. And then she's like, if you, it's like a multiplier effect. If you teach two of them, like confidence and empathy, it like multiplies the results of that in your child. It's a great, uh, it's an easy read. And she has awesome ideas and activities and strategies for parents at each age group, like elementary kids or more middle school kids. And then I did a, a, a parent, a book club with my parents and teachers at school. Okay. And it was so valuable. I mean, we were just taking these these chapters apart, talking about them. Parents were saying they were like putting into practice what she had shared that we had talked about on last week's call. Like it was so incredible. But but the biggest thing to take away from that book for me was how many kids across the country she had interviewed, hundreds of kids in the U.S. And they 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 feel like people aren't connecting with them. They feel like they're just a number. People, yeah. that their parents just want them to have a good score in school. And it's like, we're missing that personal yeah. touch, that personal connection. And, and, and that's why I like also the mindfulness work that I do with kids at school and this collaborative problem solving process, because it speaks to that child as they are a real person with thoughts and feelings. And, um, you know, they have, they have a suggestion or a recommendation, like their voice, it comes out and is heard. So I, I really uh, work with parents on this process because even last week when I was on a call with a parent, she couldn't understand why her high school student, you know, ate dinner and went to their room, didn't talk to anybody. And most times she wouldn't know what to do to, how to 
like figure out what went on. But because we had taught her this process and she used it and went to him and said, I noticed, you know, you ate with us, but you went to your room and what's up with that? And he ended up telling her what he was thinking, feeling, going through. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is so wow. amazing. My kids she, never yeah. opened up. And especially a high school boy, like, mm-hmm. I mean, girls and boys, but uh, she really struggled, like kind of connecting with them. And this just really opened it up for her. So it's such a beautiful, to me, I've just it's learned it in such a simple way that it makes sense to parents. And they just want something broken down, simply help me. Like, I, I don't have time to read tons of books. I don't have time to take, you know, well, where's the course on my kid, right? We all want to want, want to know where that is. So it's been beautiful to see this start working for parents just right away. Yeah. So what, so what, I, what I heard from that, what I'm taking away is, is I mean, in, in, in that example, like she was just focusing on what she was seeing, right? Being observational and yeah. sharing that with him, like no, no evaluation, no judgment, no anything, and not just being overly emotional about it either. And just allowing that space to then see whatever emerges, right, with really no expectations. So that's that's another nugget I'll, I'll take away. And we'll definitely put a, a link to the information you've had in our, in our show yeah. notes. It'd be fantastic. So is there anything else that we haven't uh, covered yet today that you think is really important for parents to hear? Well, what's nice about what I'm sharing about this collaborative problem-solving process is that if, if you do go to my website, educationalimpactacademy.com, one of the first things you have the opportunity to do is put your email in to get my first, um, a, a little brief video course. I call it three steps to happy kids, but it walks parents through a course of four videos, short videos of this process. So you could watch it. You could take notes. You could write it down or create like your own little script to try and practice with your child. And if it works for you, that's awesome. If you feel like you would need more help with someone supporting you through it. That's why I put together this six-week course that I'm going to also run again in about January or February. But um, the biggest thing is just for you to be more aware of yourself to really stop in that moment. And it's something you can teach your child and beware because once you teach your child, they just might use it on you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have some of my kids now saying to their parent, mom, you need to go take a breath. And and it's true. Like, and the parents are like, oh my gosh, like the kids are actually helping us. And once you learn, I mean, something as simple as putting your fingertips together. And then as you expand, breathe in. And as you bring them back together, breathe out and do that for about five times. Or the finger breath, which I absolutely love because it forces me to do it five times, is if you start at the bottom of your your thumb and you go up and we teach kids this, you breathe in. And as you come down, you breathe out. And as you go up to the next top of the top of the finger, breathe in. As you do that, like a parent also on our call a week ago needed to take a minute and recognized it, which was so awesome because that's huge to really recognize and pause and take a step back. She went in the other room and she started doing it. And out of a corner of her eye, she saw her son walk in, looked at her, turned around and went out and left her alone. And she was like, he left me alone. Like he knew what I was doing and he respected that. And then when she was calm, she was able to go address him with whatever had happened that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It all starts with, yeah. looking after yourself, you know, as a parent, so we can be there for our kids. Yeah. So, so powerful. Awesome. Well, Dr. Joukowsky, I'm really um, thankful for being on on the show today. Um, I've taken a lot of notes myself. Um, It's been a really insightful 
conversation and I encourage people to, yeah, to check out your, your website. You've got a lot of amazing stuff on there. I've kind of looked around myself and, and uh, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, more parents can um, be there and not only for their kids, but, you know, help them in their own lives to uh, thriving um, emotionally and mentally so our, our kids can, uh, you know, have joyful lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was a pleasure to speak with you today.